Hey everyone, this is a really fun episode for Katie and I, although I feel like I've said that many times with our podcast episodes, but this one is extra special because we've got a brand new baby in our family. We just had our third child a couple days ago, a couple days prior to recording this, and Katie, she said she wanted to record the podcast. I wasn't planning on having her be, be ready to record, but she said, no, I want, I want to do it. And so we're going to record this podcast for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. It's something that's real. It's about something that's been on our heart a lot, um, really since becoming parents, but that is, I guess, cultivating faith in our own children and then looking back in, in retrospect and, and seeing how our parents cultivated faith in each one of us and in, in me and Katie and her siblings and in my siblings because I know that what Katie and I want most for our children is for them to walk in faith. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Before we get going, I am going to ask that if you guys are able to, please leave this podcast a rating or a review. If you're able to just tap on one of the stars, I think you can just scroll down to the bottom of the app and you can tap on one of the stars, preferably the five stars. That's Those are our favorite stars to see, the fifth star. Uh, and if you have time to leave a review, we love reading those. They, they bring Katie and I so much joy and we always appreciate the encouragement. All right, we'll get this thing going. Hey, I'm Elisha Vopert. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. Katie, you are my hero. You really are. You are the most incredible woman that I've had the privilege of ever knowing, or knowing about, for that matter. You're wow, just, that's you're just a amazing. Big introduction. <laughs> well, that's so sweet, Elisha. Oh man, this has been an incredible week for us. Yes, so much has happened, and I, I mean, well, we had Lewis Martin. We brought him into the world and I just, I don't know. I think that's something that definitely unites our marriage. You feel that unity over a, a child being born that's oh, sure. to both of us. Yes. Don't you feel that it way? Is. I don't know. I feel like I'm always on a little bit of a high, like the first few days and yes. just like so in love with you and just appreciating you being our baby's daddy hmm. and just knowing that we get to walk through this life, parenting this child together. Wow. It's a huge blessing. Well, I'm glad that you feel that way because I know that I, once again, like you said, this feeling is so just blissful in these couple days after having a child. And I, you, I love you all of the time. And I'm always amazed by you seeing you go through the, uh, the labor process with so much, I guess, just focus and grace and then bringing our child into the world and nurturing it. And just, I don't know, Katie, it's such, it, you're a blessing. Life is a blessing. It's so special. It just is such a special time. It is such a special time. I think I'm definitely overwhelmed too. And just so grateful for you. Mm. So, so grateful. And like you said, it, it really 
binds us together. And I think it's one of those, it's so visible that this is our, this is our child. This is from you and from me. Mm -hmm. And this is God made this through us. And there are some things, even though we believe that when we are married, we're joined together as one. And that's a mystery, you know, that even the angels are trying to figure out up in heaven, the Bible says, <laughs> but it's a mystery that we're one. And so it's nice to have these visible, I guess, th these visible proofs of yeah. the oneness where it's like, oh, this would not have happened had it not been for your and I's relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that, you know, my career or your business pursuits, or it can turn into a his and her thing or a 50, 50, and I'm doing this thing, you're doing that thing. And then all of a sudden you just get this sobering realization that, man, we are, this is our, we're in this together. Yeah. We it, are there's one. There's nothing clearer than a child, I think, to solidify that. Solidify that. Yeah. You're in this together. And I think we've talked about a lot. Well, I think, okay. I think with every child we've thought more eternally, hmm. like you have more of an eternal mindset because it's like, okay, we want this child to be all these things. You know, we have all these dreams for them. Mm -hmm. And then you start realizing that big picture, you just want to be with them in heaven mm. long term. Yep. And I think it's actually so cool. You guys will, we'll probably talk about this more, but on Elisha's album, the day I went into labor, you wrote and recorded a song that was so powerful. When I started co like contracting with Louie just a few days ago, yeah, you were recording it. And can you say like a couple of the lines? Sure. It's one of those things that's really fun to look back in, in, in hindsight and realize what I was writing and what I was recording, you know, and I guess the message of that song the time at the time you're going into labor, I didn't really think about it at the time because we were just like getting through the yeah. moment. But looking back, yeah, I was recording, um, one of the songs for my children's album and the the song's called Child of Mine, but it's really just talking about how I want my children to pursue their dreams. I want them to go make memories. I want them to have deep and meaningful relationships in this earth, but just in whatever they pursue, the one thing I want them to do is is hold on to the truth so that I can spend so that I can spend eternity with them because no matter how much joy and fulfillment we can get out of this life, it's just nothing to be compared with eternity. Mm -hmm. And, um, so anyways, that, that's what the song was about. And it just means all the more to me now having, you know, our third child and in this world, and it's such a fresh start. I feel like when you have a new child and you're really able to re solidify mm -hmm. many of your convictions and your principles and your beliefs and what you want to pass on to your children. And so I think that's just really where our mind is at right now. Yeah, definitely. It was so cool. Cause when Elisha came up with some of these lines like i wish we could play it for you because the music is so powerful with the lyrics um but i just like i was listening i was like oh this is a great song and then all of a sudden he said this one line about just the importance of spending eternity with our kids and i just like started bawling yeah. it just like hit so close to home where mm -hmm. i was like wow that is what matters and anyways you've been talking about that a lot obviously and how you know, again, going back to why did we take our faiths on as our own? Hmm. So often generational faithfulness, it, it doesn't like pass through. It doesn't yep. go through to multiple generations. And that's just a big deal. You know, when we think of what can we translate, what can we communicate to our kids? What do we pass on long term? Ultimately, we want it to be that faith in Christ. Yeah. And that 
knowledge of the Savior. So today we're just going to kind of share some things that we feel like our parents did Mm -hmm. that helped encourage us in those ways. And I'm sure it's just a learning, it's a learning journey like anything else. And you can't follow a step one through seven and get your kid into heaven. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, that's a good rhyme though. Step one through seven, get your kid into heaven. Uh, if you were, I bet sign you, up for that program. Yeah, I would was, too. Man. If it was around. Um, but I think that's so cool because I also think it just, it shows that, I don't know, the Lord's always there for us, but we have to accept him. Yeah, exactly. It's the Lord who saves, but I do think that as parents, we play the biggest role in our children's lives in cultivating a heart that's ready for the gospel to take root for that seed of the gospel to take root and to start growing. And, and I don't want to take that job lightly. I don't think there's any way to take that job too seriously. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's, I don't, I don't think it's possible to treat our, our salvation or our children's salvation too seriously. It is the most important thing ever, just that we will ever be able to think of or to consider. And so I, yeah, I just really want to, be prayerful, be such a fervent prayer that the Lord just reveals himself to our children and that they, you know, are blessed with a faith in him mm-hmm. and so they can be saved. And I want to do everything that the Lord has given me instructions to do so that I can, like I said, cultivate a heart that's ready to receive that, that faith. Mm-hmm. When I think of probably the biggest thing that contributed to me accepting faith in Christ is my parents never gave me a false sense of security. I guess like they consistently said over and over to us kids, well, you know, you aren't saved just because you're a Johnson Hmm. or like you aren't saved just because we go to church. Like when we went to church, that was encouraged. Obviously we would go. Um, but my parents would constantly say these things that just reminded me that my faith was between me and Jesus Christ and his saving grace was very personal to me. And just because I was born into a Christian family or just because we did quote unquote Christian things or just because I read my Bible didn't make me saved and didn't give me not only freedom here on earth, but freedom from lasting domination, I guess, in a very dramatic way, but it didn't solidify my relationship with Christ. Hmm. Yeah. I think my parents did something very similar in that they, even though they took their role that was God given as our authority very seriously, and they saw that as our parents, they were they were our authority figures. They were they were leading us and they were growing us. They made it clear that beyond them, God was the ultimate authority and that we just didn't have to answer to our parents. We did have to answer to God ultimately. At some point, we are going to have to answer to God as an individual, like you said, and what my daddy believed, or what my mommy believed or what they did or didn't do. It's not going to, in the end, I'm the one that has to answer for my life and for what I believe and where I put my hope. And I think that that's something that it sounds kind of almost daunt, like, like fearful, you know, like my parent, parents it taught is. fear, yeah. but that was so healthy as a child to realize that if I told a lie or if I stole something from one of my siblings, it's, I still remember so clearly being nine years old. And again, I stole, I kind of feel bad about this actually, but I'm just going <laughs> to let it all out. We were at a friend's house. I think it was, I think it was the Murphy's house. 
and they had a son that was about my age, Nathan Murphy, and he had this sweet flashlight. It looked like a lighter, and but it was a flashlight, and I put it in my pocket purposefully to bring... I stole it. I stole it from Nathan Murphy when I was nine years old. Elisha. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I've ever told anybody this, but I stole it, and when I got home that night and went to bed, I was not worried about my parents finding out or about the Murphys finding out. I was worried about God. I was like, man, I, yeah. I sinned before God. And as a result of that fear, I went and told my parents and, and, um, you know, they disciplined me and then we had to give, give the flashlight back and it was embarrassing and all that stuff. But I'm grateful that ultimately I, there, I took God even more seriously than my parents at a young age. But because of that, I took my parents very seriously too. Yeah. I think that's so important. We don't, like you said, it's fearful, but the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hmm. Like without the fear of the Lord. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing it is. to fear him. That's and right. I do think that it's easier to teach our children that God is love mm-hmm. and teach them that, you know, like he is, he's, he's accepting, he's gracious, he's loving, but without that healthy fear, how are we to accept him that's right you know in other ways how do we we why, need that fear yeah why would the we gospel be appealing to us if we didn't have some knowledge of god's justice yeah. and, and wrath and what he does to how he feels about sin and what sin means the gospel wouldn't mean anything to us yeah i remember my mom she'd do these like picture bible stories and in one of the bible stories i don't know the exact story but they're in the desert um who is it i moses Moses is taking everyone, all the Israelites yeah. through the desert. And during part of the story, the earth opens up and God swallows these guys. God, meaning like, you know, he had the earth open up and swallowed these guys and their families that were disobeying hmm. in the wilderness. And I remember being like, what on earth hmm. is a little kid? Like, that's yeah. terrifying to picture the earth opening and swallowing these families. But that's just... God's nature, he is righteous. He's righteous. And he does have this side that we absolutely need to fear and awe and revere. Yes. Anyways, and so I just think that's so powerful that your parents taught that fear of God. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting when you brought that up to me because I want to make sure that I don't miss sharing that with our kids. Yeah. And again, this wasn't, it wasn't an oppressive way in which my parents taught it because it was always (laughs) coupled with the gospel, with the hope of the gospel and the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus from the, from the sin that we committed and from the penalty of the sin that we commit because of Christ's bloodshed. And so whenever we were rebuked or whenever the fear of God or the wrath of God or the justice of God or the righteousness of God was brought up, it was always in the same conversation of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Yes. And so I, I do think it's, uh, it's uh, clearly the gospel message needs to be taught and exemplified in the home. Uh, but the gospel message means so much more. It means everything when you have a sobering thought of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I love... Well, I think in that same way... Sorry, you were going to say well, something. No. You finish. Well, I was just going to say that I think it's... A.W. Tozier in that book, Knowledge of the Holy, which is a great book. I love that book. I think just in his, like in the preface, even before the first chapter, he says, what comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. And he says that about individuals and also about societies. And I think that's so true. Just when people think of God, what, what do you think of? Is it 
fun and roses and flowers and you know is he like this kind old man that just gives candy to everybody is he fearful well he's he's in a lot of ways you can't picture god accurately obviously our minds can't comprehend him fully but he has revealed many of his attributes through his word and so we can think of just we can think of holy we can think of loving because he's clearly a loving father yeah. but he's also righteous and he's also wrathful you know and so having as much as we can an accurate picture of God when we say the word God what what comes into our brain you know because when I say dad I know very clearly what my dad is I can mm-hmm. picture him when I can you know when I say my wife I can very clearly picture you but when I say God what is it very is it accurate to what the Bible says he is that's a really good thought and I think of that I think one reason why I have such a I don't have a hard time picturing God being righteous and disciplining and Mm -hmm. also being loving and always there is because I do have a great relationship with my earthly father. Yeah. And it was so clearly portrayed in the way that he disciplined me, but he absolutely loved me and would do anything for me. Wow. You know, but I had that fear of my parents in a healthy way. And I think a lot of people don't have that. Hmm. And so it can be hard to picture someone who is loving and who will chastise us. Wow. Or, you know, have, yeah. have the, yeah. those two. Um, some people might see they're conflicting right. instead of working together. Yep. And I think I haven't ever had to try to justify those two things in my mind hmm. because of my relationship with my parents. Wow. I think you bringing that up is a good point because I know that's the same way for me too. I never once questioned my daddy's love for me, even in the midst of his discipline towards me and, and him never, I, I shouldn't say never. Cause he was obviously imperfect. He's an imperfect person, but he was so faithful in walking out his principles. You know, he, he didn't change what he believed to be right and wrong according to my behavior and say, Oh, well, if you've got tendencies in that way, I guess then I can let you live that way in our home. You know, I had to modify my behavior to what he considered to be a right way to operate his household and for a right way for us children to behave. Yet I never questioned his love for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so funny, just in human nature, we think, well, this is how I, this is how I want to act. This is what my body's telling me I should do. My mind's telling me I should do this. My heart's telling me I should do this. So therefore God, if he's a loving God, he has to let me behave this way. Mm-hmm. But that's not what earthly fathers do. A good earthly father doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. He modifies, he, he still wants them to modify the behavior in a way that's best for them. And that's, and then also honoring to God. Yeah. So anyways, that's just, it's a big conversation, obviously. I don't know how you translate that necessarily to your kids, but I do think that that's something that we desire to do for our children. Yep. Um, And then I think too, another big way that my parents encouraged us taking our faith on as our own was leading by example. I mean, that phrase. Yes. You know, more Scott than taught. That's right. Yes. Right. Like we've heard that a million times. We all know it's true yes, as right. parents. And I think I saw my mother prioritize her Bible time over sleep, over a lot of things. And I knew that because if I got up early and I would go in her room, she was consistently always there. Mm-hmm. Um, having her Bible time. And I just admire that so much to this day. Mm-hmm. And I desire to get better at that. Um, but I also saw my father prioritize our family Bible time over TV or entertainment. Yes. We didn't hang out and watch things in the evening. We, like as a family. Right. Maybe like 
once in a month usually we'd watch a movie when my parents were on a date night Mm -hmm. that was like our thing and that's so convicting to me yes me too because it's so easy to just say okay well this is our time to chill now you know in the evening yeah but we would always do family bible times at that Mm. at that time and i just saw i mean that had to take more effort to get everyone seated and to read through the Bible and ask questions and facilitate that discussion. And he got a lot more pushback from us kids. Right. And it was never in a, we are going to do this because it's the right thing to do way. It was just like, no, we prioritize getting together and um, being in the word. Yep. And I just think that was so cool. And something else too is my mother or my father, depending on who was home would do like breakfast devotions Hmm. and my mom, my dad would often come and we'd read through a proverb and that was fun. We like worked on memorizing proverbs or we'd work on memorizing scripture a lot with him. But my mom would come every single morning because she was home for breakfast a lot more and would have something fresh that she learned that day that the Lord was teaching her. And that was so convicting to me because as a kid, I would like have something in the back of my mind, like, oh yeah, the Lord's teaching me this. And it would be like the same thing for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, cause I wasn't <laughs> like actively in the word. It's kind of like my fallback, you know, sure. if someone asks like, what's God teaching you? Um, but it was so convicting to see my mom. She'd come with these little sermons every single morning and be like, guys, isn't this awesome? Hmm. This is who the Lord is. And I just saw in her life, that excitement and that fresh living, breathing word of God yes, on a daily basis. And that was just more powerful than anyone telling me to prioritize my relationship with the yes. Lord. Amen. Wow. That's so inspirational, especially, you know, when you think about your dad and your mom doing a Bible time, either in every evening or every morning, Think about how we feel every evening. Yeah, I know. Like, that's that how they felt. I only it so much only more. Prob- they had more kids, so they were probably more exhausted at the end of the day. And it's so easy. I'm thinking of how we live now. Yeah. You know, with three children. You know, we just had our third child. But yeah, yeah, we can say we have three kids Yeah, with now. three kids. <laughs> and it gets to like 6.30 or 7.30 in the evening. And it's so easy to say, oh, man, it was a big day. Like we don't, oh, yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to round up all the kids and try to calm them down and have them sit nicely on the couch and read the Bible. It just sounds like too much work. And all of a sudden you're doing that week after week after week. And like you said, your dad was faithful in doing that. And like my, likewise, my, my father was faithful in doing that. And just picturing again, them feeling how I f- feel at the end of the day. Yeah. And yet they did it. You have a whole new perspective. You do. Where it's yeah. easier. And then as your kids get older, I mean, we we could talk for hours. I mean, there were 11 of us. We could just sit around and chat in the living room. And we had those nights. Of course. For sure. Yes. Um, and we talk a lot around the dinner table. Sure. That was a time where we yeah. just chat. But looking back and seeing that intentionality right. is really convicting, honestly. Yes. And likewise, <laughs> I mean, my mommy was very similar in that I would wake every single morning without fail regardless of what time it seemed like I woke up, my mommy was downstairs reading her Bible. You she know? still is. I mean, we go over and yes, stay we, at their house and yep. I get up and Lisa's downstairs That's right. doing her quiet time. Yep. And I just, it's still encouraging. To it me. is because they're putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak, or they're, they're living out what yes. they say they believe because they say, Hey, my hopes in heaven, I want to know the Lord more. And I know I can know him through his word. He's given us his word 
where we can know him, we can draw closer to him, we can grow in wisdom and how to tr- how to raise up our children, you mm-hmm. know, and how to go about this life. And man, that's so inspirational. And my dad, similarly, it's the same thing for us, the Proverbs, you know, because there yeah. are, are there 31 Proverbs? Yeah, there's 31. It was a good, like one a month. Thing. Exactly. So it always worked for one a month. And uh, so it was always a proverb at night. I remember we, we did this Psalm thing too, where it's like, if you read every seven Psalms or something, it was like Psalm 1, 7, 14, or maybe it was like every night. I don't know. But I it was like there was some something kind of like a pattern. that. Yeah. With the Psalms where you could do yeah. this pattern once one day a month. We did that for a while. But my father just always led in that as well. And I think what's so important, and, and you said this, is that they never said that this is the way to salvation or this is the way to have a right standing before God no. or to live a righteous life is to read your Bible every day. They made it clear that their hope was in, in Jesus Christ's righteousness, nothing that they could do, but that they were new creations in Christ. And as a result, they wanted to know God more. They wanted to walk in his ways because they were now no longer citizens of this earth, but citizens of heaven. They were the king's children mm-hmm. and they wanted to walk accordingly. Like they were adopted children. They needed to learn the new way of being an adopted child. They were a part of a new family. And one, yeah, one thing that my mom would always say is that she just loved being in God's word. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I would come to her and I was like, it just seems dry or I don't, you know, I'm not really getting a lot out of this. It seems more like a to-do list hmm. thing. She'd just be like, well, pray that you'll desire hmm. his word because mm-hmm. it's so refreshing. And I saw that need for God's word in her life. And that's why she was in the word. Yeah, And same with my father. And I think that as parents, I don't know, it's just it really is challenging my brain to think through this even right now, because mm. it's like, what would my kids say right now? They're little, you know, but what would they say that they saw mommy and daddy prioritizing? Yeah. You know, like, oh, maybe they're up late recording the podcast. Yeah. But are they up early being in the word? Wow. Or, you know, like, yeah. what are those things that yeah, we're that prioritizing is so convicting. right now? I know that they're going to see me as a diligent person. Like, mm-hmm. oh, mommy gets a lot done. But sure. like, does she take time to read to us right. from the Bible? Yep. You know, what, what is she prioritizing? Yes. I don't know. I just, because it's so clear looking back what I saw my parents prioritize. Yes. yes. Same with me and my, and I, I can speak for both my mother and my father. They just lived out their faith. And I know that my dad, he, my dad was an entrepreneurial guy and he had very many different business ventures and he always would, it was always an open book, you know, with the whole family as to how his different businesses were doing. And so if there were good times, we were all stoked, but if there were bad times, we were all aware of it. And my dad always, always, always just reminded us of the eternal, uh, I guess, mindset regarding these businesses mm-hmm. saying, Hey, well, the Lord can make it prosper. He can make it fail, but ultimately my hopes in eternity, I'm not going to compromise any of my values or my faith for the sake of, you know, making this business continue on. And mm-hmm. he's going to be the one that provides for us. And he didn't just say that in word. He lived that out. I know that he yes. missed out on a, a handful of lucrative business opportunities that he's told me about later because of his, his, his conviction before the Lord, whether it was, he felt like it was unscrupulous or whether he felt like he would be joining in with an unbeliever, you know, partnering with an unbeliever that he felt like wasn't wise. And, you know, he missed out on millions of dollars, you know, in hindsight. But he still made those decisions based off of who he was in the Lord, his faith. And I'm so grateful for that. And, 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 and likewise, when it came to their parenting, man, I cannot imagine how, I guess, tempting it would be to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, when you become a parent. And you see your friends 
putting their kids in this program or on that sports team, or then as years go on, setting up, sending them to that college. And my parents, it's not that those are bad things, whatever, you know, the Joneses are doing, but they made their decisions, their parenting decisions based off of ultimately their children, wanting their children to walk in the faith and have Mm -hmm. an eternal hope. Yeah. And I think probably the most important, like the only way that I could, okay, how am I trying to say this? Basically, just like Elisha said, the only takeaway I wouldn't want someone to have from this is that we saw our parents do these things like a checklist or like a legalistic, you know, I hate to bring up that term, but like, like something you must do. It wasn't, it was because they desired to walk in relationship with Christ and the beauty of that. And it was always from a joyful, bountiful perspective and never from a, this is what we need to do to be saved, or this is our, our burden, or this is, you know, it was none of those things. We saw it as something that we wanted as kids. And that's why we chose to want to walk in the walking that truth. Yes. hundred percent. Well, they walked it out because they truly believed the gospel. When yes. you believe that you are a blood bought child of God, you live accordingly then. And I think both of all of our parents, they believed in the, they believed the gospel and that mm-hmm. affected the way they lived their life. Yes. And I think that that was something that we had to come to grips with and that, okay, do we believe what my parents believe? Because we could, we could do all the things that our parents do, oh, yeah. but if we're doing it just in an obligatory manner and in an obligatory manner, then that's not rooted in faith. So what is it that our parents believe that's causing them to, to live this way? And it, and I think it really made each one of us children seek out what that was that they believed. And like you said, it was the gospel. It was good news. Yeah, exactly. And it was good news. Um, I think something else that came to mind is that relationship with Christ was never forced, hmm. but it was always encouraged. Hmm. So it wasn't a to-do list. It wasn't like a check list, I guess. And my parents never forced it on us. Like you guys march to the beat of this drum because you're in this family. And I think of little ways that that happened were, you know, when we did do family Bible times, my dad would say, okay, whoever wants to pray can pray. And that was like an open invitation. Yes. Most of the time, every single one of us would pray. There's probably a little peer pressure there sometimes too, whether or not you wanted to. Yeah. But it wasn't like, okay, you're going to pray or you, it wasn't assumed you have a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. You're in a place where you want to share. Yeah. Um, and I think that was encouraged. Um, another thing in the mornings that I thought was helpful for us just to start asking ourselves critical questions when we read the scripture or engage with the scripture where my parents would have one of us at the breakfast table, read the proverb and they would say, ask one comment or ask one question and make one comment. Hmm. And so it was just like a way that we were able to engage um, with the scripture at a really young age. Like we do that at like eight or nine years old. And I don't know. I just thought that was a fun way to incorporate us studying the Bible for ourselves a little bit, you know? Of course. Yeah. And then I think they just asked really good questions. Like, what are you learning personally? Hmm in your relationship with the Lord. A lot of these discussions happen around the breakfast table yep. for us. Um, cause it was just kind of like a time when we'd all talk yep. and it was a chance to share or not share. But mm-hmm. again, it wasn't like forced. Yes. I guess, yep. which I always really appreciated or what's the Lord teaching you when something was wrong. And I would go to my parents 
often they would ask, well, how's your relationship with the Lord? Are you spending time in his word? Or are you not? Mm-hmm. And it was never judged, but it was encouraged. Like that could be why you're empty. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have anything yeah. to give right now because you aren't putting in. Um, and then one last thing I think of, cause I like to think of, you know, those little practical things, even though there's not <laughs> seven steps. Um, it is helpful. Like my mom would help facilitate us having that time for our Bible time or like Hmm. developing that self-discipline if we wanted to. So breakfast was always at eight. My mom was really structured with that, but she'd get us up at seven and it was technically, so we'd have time to do our chores, but then there was always this big gap. Yes. Chores took like 15 minutes and we knew she was in her room reading the Bible, you know, and we kind of look around the house and uh, I had a couple other sisters who were super diligent at being in God's word too. There was just that healthy fear pressure there. And it was like, well, you know, now's a good time to read my Bible, I guess, or to have that personal time with God's word. So I just think in like casual ways, it was facilitated or helped or encouraged, but it was never forced. And I think that's something that, again, made it feel like this is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. This is not something my parents can do for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that was helpful. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I love those stories and those examples, because like you said, even if it was kind of maybe even peer pressure or just kind of feeling this, oh, yeah, different this stuff little guilt, a kid for sure. but getting in God's word, when's, when's a bad time to get into God's word or what's a bad reason to go to God's word? You know, it says that God's word never returns a void. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, it, it, a lot of times it's God's word that does the work, not uh, like it, it is God's word that pierces our heart. You know, yeah. it's sharper than a two edged sword cutting, you know, between the bone and marrow. And so just by going to it for whether that's peer pressure or whether it's out of obedience, it, you're giving God and, and the word an, an opportunity to do a work in your heart, which I think you're never, are you like ungrateful that you went to God's word? You know, yeah, no, you're never totally. ungrateful. It, like you said, it never returns void. And yeah. so I think just being in a home where regardless God's word was shared and it was taught is so powerful. Mm -hmm. But I do think there needs to be, um, also just like that letting our kids, like you said, feel that fear of God and feeling that responsibility for their own faith. Because I did grow up with a lot of other Christian kids or who would have assumed they were Christians. They grew up in Christian families. They know Bible verses, Mm -hmm. like they memorize them. They, you know, read God's word, but they never took any responsibility and they never felt that fear of God. And as a result, they have a lot of head knowledge, but it never made it to the heart hmm. and they aren't saved anymore Yeah, or they never were saved or, you know, I'm yeah. totally not getting into that discussion. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but basically they never took their faith as their own Yeah, and they don't want to pass on those same things to their kids. Right. And I right. think that is something that's so scary to me. I don't want to raise Leon to know the right answers right. in church yeah. or to have the right Bible verses memorized or to have the right thing to say when someone asks. I want him to really have that relationship with Christ, be his own in his heart. Yes. Yes. Of because course. that's really all that all that matters. Yeah, is that saving term. faith, their personal I faith. I don't want to raise a boy that's or Lucy or um Lewis who I think I don't know, I just think that's one of my fears hmm. is raising children that are like yeah, we're going to do this because it makes daddy and mommy happy or, you know, it doesn't ruffle anyone's feathers, Yes, but they never get the real meaning of why we want wow. this faith wow. in Christ. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the sobering thought. And that's, I mean, like we've already told you guys, that's what we've been pondering, you know, so much since becoming, it seems like with each child, we ponder it more and more. And we're just reflecting back on some things our parents did. And in no way are we saying that that's the way it has to be done. We're not even saying that's the way we're going to do it. I know that we're going to learn from our parents and we're going to probably find, you know, find some wins and find some losses of our parents and adjust accordingly for our own parenting. Uh, But all I know is that our desire and our heart is that our children walk in truth, that they walk in faith, that they take this faith in Jesus Christ and they, and they take it as their own. And in no way are we saved because of what our parents did or didn't do. We're no. saved because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And that's what I want my children to believe, is mm-hmm. that their salvation is in Christ alone. And that's where their hope is at. I wish I had that verse reference, but it's, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. Yeah. And that's truly something that I feel as a parent. Yes. And like you said, I don't feel equipped. I don't feel like we have, you know, our game plan, but I think that's what's so cool. Like that's what God calls us to is again, that humility, that leaning on him, that not knowing, and he leads Yes, and he is faithful as Elisha and I surrender our hearts to him. Yes. And as we trust our children's hearts to him, yeah. because ultimately they are his children. That's right. And he has gifted them to us. Mm. We brought this up before that ownership versus stewardship yes that's right mindset that we were encouraged by with the smiths right who brought that up on our podcast um but we have been given the gift of stewarding these children's souls we yeah. don't we don't own them that's right and ultimately they're his yeah so we have to well and thank goodness that god loves our children more than we do yes you know more than we ever could and i have to trust the lord with that and and just point our kids back to jesus point them to jesus and yeah, point them to his truth. Yeah. Well, it's a lifelong journey, and that's why it's a it's a life of faith. We just have to trust the Lord. We need to be on our knees before the Lord daily. And uh, I'm grateful that he's merciful and gracious because if it were up to us, we would really mess it up. Yeah, you know? totally. But he does work in spite of us, and he works through us, and I definitely want to be used as his vessel in raising up our children. Well, Louis needs to eat. I don't know if you guys can hear him in the background. That's good he timing. Up. He's waking up. Yeah. You guys can hear Louis back there. Louis Martin Voberg, the newest member of the family. If you guys want to see more about Louis or kind of meet him more, we did put do a YouTube video talking about the uh, the delivery a little bit and kind of introducing Louis on our YouTube channel. Now that we're family dot com YouTube, you guys can go check that out. <laughs> yeah. I- and thank you guys so much for joining us on this conversation. Yes. Again, it is just a conversation. It's something we're constantly considering, and it's just really on our minds and our hearts right now. Mm-hmm. And so we just wanted to share those those thoughts with you guys. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, I guess we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.